0: welcome back to the speak up sports podcast i'm your host anna lively and i hope all of you are having a great summer so far this week on the podcast i am joined with three-time all-american softball pitcher georgina corrick georgina has broken so many conference records during her time at usf that have helped her become the four-time american conference pitcher of the year Today, we will be talking about why she chose USF, her college career, new professional experience, and more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. Hope you enjoy the episode. Here it is. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively, and today on the podcast, I am joined with three-time All-American and former pitcher for USF Georgina Corrick. Thank you so much, Georgina, for coming on and talking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. So I want to start at the beginning for you. What intrigued you about becoming a softball pitcher?
1: I actually started with a lot of different sports. Um, My family's actually from England. I was born over there and I moved over here when I was super young. So my dad actually, just to kind of get me out of the house, got me involved with soccer, um, like tennis, golf. Like he tried a lot of the stuff that he really enjoyed and none of it really stuck. I wasn't very good at it. Um, So when I actually started softball, um, I started as a catcher which is kind of very opposite to what um, a pitcher is, obviously. Um, And I sucked at it. I sucked so badly that my dad was like, we need to try and find something else for you to do. But I loved softball. I loved the team. Like I loved having the teammates and kind of just the camaraderie of it. I loved the sport. I thought it was so much fun. And so one day uh, a pitching coach came out and she was like, I'm giving free pitching lessons. And my dad was like, please like have her help her do something with her. And it actually ended up working out really well. And I'm, I'm still getting after it.
0: Well, that's so awesome that you turned a like it started not so great for you with the catching (laughs) aspect, but it turned into something great. So the end result was great. So that's all that matters. (laughs) So what made you want to go to USF?
1: I actually committed to USF when I was pretty young. Um, I think I was in like the eighth or ninth grade when they offered me. So I was only like, what, 15, maybe Um, I actually grew up on the water. And I loved the ocean. So I knew that I wanted to be a marine biologist from like the second I knew what college was. Um, so when I went on my visit to USF, I asked if they offered marine sciences, um, marine biology as a, as a course load. And they did, they're one of the few um, schools in my state that had a great marine biology program. So Coach Erickson was awesome. It was my first ever college visit. And he was like, you know, you're welcome to go try out other schools, see what everyone else is offering you. Um, you've come here you've met me, you've seen the campus, you've seen what we have to offer. And I don't want you to feel pressured to make a decision before you're ready. So I did, I went and looked at other schools and no school compared really for me with what Kenneth Erickson was offering for me. From a coaching standpoint, he obviously was working really closely with international softball, which was one of my passions. And just the Marine Biology program was incredible. So I committed and I never really looked back at it. And it was really, really cool to like go through my entire high school career knowing that I didn't have that stress of having to try and, you know, vie for a college um, scholarship. I didn't have to like put myself out there at really expensive tournaments because I'd already kind of figured out who I was and what I was doing. So I just kind of was playing the play, which was um, really exciting, especially when I saw like how stressed some of my friends were Mm -hmm. about trying to figure out what they were going to do for college.
0: Well, that's so great that you found out so early on in the process, honestly, that that's where you wanted to go at USF and the, great softball program that it offered but also the academic side that you wanted to do with the marine biology so that you didn't have to worry about looking at other colleges or uh, playing with more stress later on in high school that you already knew where you were going and mm-hmm. you started off your career really strong at usf and you had an outstanding freshman season that really set the tone for your illustrious collegiate career. Like what did you learn in that first season that you feel helped you for other years? I think my dad always had a really good
1: saying when I was obviously committed to college softball. He was like, you're used to probably being a star on whatever team you're coming from. College is being a star on a team of of other stars. So you knew that every single girl who was probably picked up to go to a D1 school was also the best of their program. So he kind of inspired me when I was going to college. He's like, you cannot think that you are entitled to playing time. You cannot think that you can just come in and not work hard for what you want. Because at the end of the day, you were recruited, not because of how good you were, but how good your potential could be. So I think that was a really, really good starting point for me going into my freshman year was that I didn't think I was good enough to be a college player yet because I hadn't actually been a college player yet. I was still kind of learning what that meant. So I was really, really open to learning from some of the upperclassmen. I played with girls like Lindsey Devitt and Cassidy Boyle who had been at the school for a little while and knew what it was like to have to earn those starting positions and not only earn them, but keep them. It's hard to maintain a position every single year when you've got new girls, new talent coming in. So I think my freshman year actually was actually statistically one of my, my lesser years, which is insane to think about because going in, I thought it was insane that I was able to go in and, and have the innings that I had and throw as well as I did. But it inspired me to want to be better every single year because I remember how much I learned my freshman year. It was like night and day. I had never really had that kind of experience before. So every single year I felt like I was just getting a new chance to learn more and more and build off of what I'd already learned the previous year. My pitching coach, Jessica Moore, was a huge part of that. She was involved with Team USA softball. She was involved with Oregon um, softball when she actually played um, in college. And she was very, very big on never being quite happy where you were because there's always going to be somebody better than you. And you always have to try and buy to be that person.
0: Well, all that stuff you said right there was so much great stuff. Like just starting with your dad, like telling you, like, you have to earn it. You have to continue to work hard because yes, you made it to the next level, but that's why it's unique because the next level is the best of the best there and that you continue to work hard. And I think it's funny that you talk about that your freshman year, wasn't your obviously your best statistic year but for all the listeners out there just to remind you guys she still won freshman of the year that year so I mean she still crushed it that year but after that freshman year I mean you just went on to continue to dominate every year in, year in and year out because you were a four-time American conference pitcher of the year like I talked about earlier the three-time All-American and then you recently earned the 2022 NFCA Pitcher of the Year Award. Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) But throughout your career, through all the highs and all the countless records you broke, what do you feel attributed to all of your success?
1: I would say a big part of my success is how much I love learning about the game. Um, I am a big student. Like, obviously I, I went into school to be a marine biologist. I thought that softball was a great avenue to get my, my education paid for, you know, that was always when I spoke to my parents, when I spoke about what I wanted to do, that was their biggest takeaway was, was get your degree, get your, your education paid for, get your education supported. Um, you will have the athletics community to back you up. Of course, being a student athlete, but being a student comes first, you know, people say that all the time. Um, I want to say that a lot of my success on the field is attributed to how much I loved learning about the game. I Every bullpen that I threw, every time I got to speak to my catchers, every game, I was learning little tidbits more about softball than I knew before. And as long as you're able to keep building those things up, it's kind of like cramming for a test. You can cram for a test the night before and go out and and do pretty well, but you're not going to really retain that information past it. And suddenly, if you need to know that information again, you're not going to know it. So pitching for me especially was I was not going to throw – a really, really crazy bullpen and then suddenly go out and throw the best game of my life. I was having to throw consistent bullpens in the fall. I was having to throw consistent bullpen, bullpens in the summer. When I played international, I was having to play against women who were 25, 30 years old who had been in the game much longer than I've been in the game. And I had to learn how to get them out year in, year out because you played against the same teams and the same girls. So I think pitching especially is one of those things that you can't you can't force yourself to be good at it. You have to take a lot of pride in what you do and in taking pride in what you do, you learn who you are. You learn what your strengths are. You learn what your weaknesses are. And then when you have the time to actually work on those things, that's when you can improve yourself for who you are. I had a lot of weaknesses coming in my freshman year. I didn't have change up. I threw completely different pitches. I was very easy to pick kind of things that when you talk about the game, stuff that a lot of people don't know about in the younger levels, but when you get up in a collegiate arena, you can't, you can't, you know, slack on some of those things. So those were things that I had to learn over and over and over, and then work really, really hard to improve. Otherwise other people are going to beat you pitching is, uh, is a game of where every single batter I face, I have to win because one swing, one pitch can decide a ball game. And so I had to constantly learn how to be better in every single small moment. So that when you put it together, it looked like a very cohesive piece.
0: Yeah that's really cool what you talk about just breaking those different segments of it down but like how everything is important before even the game starts like the bullpens and stuff like that as well that everything has thought into it and a reason why you're doing the certain things so that you can continue to improve to have those incredible games or those no hitters or those perfect games and all that sort of thing so they all work together to get to that end goal but Speaking of no-hitters and perfect games, you threw two perfect games and multiple no-hitters in your career. Which of these outings would you say was your favorite and why? I would definitely say actually my
1: last um, perfect game, I threw it against Houston. It was a kind of a weird game because we had started it on the Friday, I believe, and it got rained out. So weather swept in. I'd only played like three innings, maybe four, um, and we rescheduled obviously to continue the game the next day um, because this was actually our, our senior day. So we'd planned it on the Saturday cause we knew bad weather was sweeping through. We thought maybe the Sunday games were going to get rained out. So we'd planned to have a doubleheader on that Saturday and make it our senior day. Um, so I came out that Saturday morning. I kind of knew that we'd been doing pretty well the game before I hadn't really put it together that it was a perfect game. I just thought I hadn't really like no one had really been on. No one had really gotten any hits that I remembered. So I was like, well, they're going to have like, gone out done a little extra scouting maybe when they had been hitting vp or front toss they might have been trying to work on what i was throwing against them successfully so i kind of had that little bit of pressure on me that i needed to to show something a little bit different for the second half of this first game um and so i like came out and i think i remember getting into the seventh and i like looked out to the board and i saw the zero in the hits column and i was like holy cow i didn't i didn't realize that i'd done that and so i like threw the last pitch of like the game and realized that I just thrown a perfect, like a perfect game on my senior day. And I looked up into the stands and USF isn't a huge school. We didn't have a lot of NIL deals. We didn't have a lot of like merchandise, um, but our gear shop had just started selling um, jerseys. And I didn't realize that they had started selling my jersey with my number and my number on the back. So I looked up in the stand after I do every game, I usually blow a kiss to my parents cause they're able to come to most of my games and, you know, give them a little wave, a whole shebang. And I look up to my dad, go to blow him a kiss, and I realize that he's wearing my jersey, which I've never, ever, ever seen him wearing like my something that was me. You know, that was my number. That was my jersey that I'd made my own. And I like looked up. and I started crying a little bit um, just because it's like it's the perfect storybook game you know, perfect game, look up, see my dad wearing my jersey for the first ever time. And my catcher standing right there next to me, like giving me a huge hug like we do after every single game. Um, And it was just one of those moments that like you get goosebumps every time you talk about it because it's just it's too perfect. You know, no one could have written it any better. So I think that is definitely my favorite, favorite, favorite game and memory that I have, Um, you know, coming off of Father's Day, it's my favorite dad memory. It's my favorite senior game memory. It's my favorite perfect game memory. Um, It covers all of the bases.
0: I mean, talk about a perfect senior day. I mean, you cannot write that any better. That is so awesome to hear. Just, I mean, not just even the perfect game part, but also the support of your parents and you being emotional about seeing them in the Jersey of you, supporting you along the entire road and just finishing on such a strong note for the end of your career. And I know you already started playing professional softball with athletes Unlimited. What are your future softball plans? And are you planning on continuing to be a part of great Britain's national team? I am
1: definitely. um, This has been one of the coolest experiences of my life. I know I've spoken to you a little bit, how like crazy the schedule is um, because usually in college, everyone kind of gives you a very, very strict breakdown of where you've got to be, what you've got to do. You know, everything is written out for you being a, being a professional means being independent it means being your own individual and kind of having to, to navigate that world by yourself, which for someone like me, who I've always been kind of told what to do, where to be, when it's very, very scary. Cause now, um, I have to write my own schedule. I have to figure out who I am. If I want to go train, I have to train on my own time. And so it's been very, very interesting transitional period for me. I'm still kind of definitely getting used to it, but this is just the coolest thing ever Because you are surrounded by, I mean, there's 41, 42 athletes here, and every single one of them loves this sport enough to make it part of of their professional life. You know, there are girls here who all they do for work is be ingrained in softball. It's like finding your, your best, best friends who all love the same exact things as you, you know. So definitely being able to play in AUX has inspired a new love of professional softball for me just because it's created this atmosphere that is so accepting it is so open every single girl wants to better the game not because it makes them look better but because we are now a community together we have created something bigger than us and every single one of us is contributing to it so I will like text somebody be like hey I want to go throw a bullpen and she's like phenomenal I want to work on my framing and you know that every single person wants to get better because they're here you know they're here and they've made it a huge part of their life. Um, I'm actually gonna be leaving AU and then I think I have like a week or two off before I fly over to um, London to do a little bit of my training camp for GB. I've been a part of GB since I was like 14 or 15 and we just fell one game short of going to the Olympics in 2019, I believe, in the qualifier. We ended up losing to Italy, um, which Italy went and they had a phenomenal run of it. I just wish you know, softball and baseball could have had a, a slightly larger sphere of influence because you talk about all of the countries out of Europe and Africa, only one team was able to compete for the Olympic spot. Wow, um, it's, it's a very, very, obviously it's a prestigious award. You, you can't just send anybody out to do it. Um, but it's very difficult to think that out of all of those countries, only one is able to give, is given the opportunity. So we're hoping that for 2028, which is the next Olympics that baseball and softball has been confirmed in, that we might have a couple more countries. Um, it'll depend obviously on kind of the marketing for softball and baseball, what kind of, of fan base we can we can build up. But I think especially with the new boom of the WPF of professional softball with AU, AUX, we have a strong shot of inspiring a little bit more large support, especially with the viewership that we're getting. Um, so I would love to be a part of GB. I'm obviously still a British citizen. I haven't gotten my US citizenship yet, Um, so I will like to be playing for GB in 2028. That's the goal. You see girls like Kat Osterman, like Daniel Laurie that have made their Olympic dreams a reality, even pushing a little bit past what people would consider, you know, your, your prime softball years. I love the sport enough that I think I would be able to, to make it to 2028 and feel good about my body. Know that I've, I've worked really hard to maintain myself. Um, and that has always been my dream since I was little. I remember writing essays upon essays in middle school about how I wanted to be Jenny Finch. I wanted to be an Olympian. And it would be very sad to think that I came so close to it and just gave up. So I think for me, for sure, the Olympics is my final dream. That's, that's the, the end of the road that I really see before I have to, you know, go into the real world and do real world
0: things. Well that's so exciting to hear first off the AU aspect of it that you talked about you know adjusting from the collegiate level to the professional level with you being like your own boss in essence and Mm -hmm. I think AU is so cool and to anybody who has not checked out Athletes Unlimited yet definitely need to check that out because I think it's so cool with the point system and the part of it that makes it unique apart from other sports leagues or professional leagues that may be out there but Speaking of Great Britain and your journey with that, I think it's so cool that you're continuing to be a part of that and continue to play for them and continue to pursue that goal of yours to play in the Olympics and I know you talked about it a little bit but talked about the you know, it only had six teams in this past softball Olympics, which is a small number of teams compared to a lot of other sports, if you compare it to, you know, track, but just, you know, the countries or number in general, like, how would you like to see that grow? Like how many teams ideally do you think there should be to be included in a softball Olympics, say even as soon as the 2028 games? I think uh, it's obviously difficult because there's, restrictions
1: far outside of my um, you know realm of knowledge for why they only took the six teams. I think that 12 would be very ideal. I think they've taken the six teams from the six regions. Um, and obviously they've they've done so for a very good reason. But I think taking the first and the second picks from all of these regions, because what you have to consider is the Olympics isn't the only events that we compete in. We also compete every other year we do Europeans, every other year there's a World championship which means that obviously the same girls compete against each other game in, game out. So while I threw, I did throw against Italy in that game, I'd also thrown against Italy the previous five years. So it's very difficult because I might've thrown against Italy however many times, but I've never had the chance to throw against Mexico. I've never had the chance to throw against team USA. Mm-hmm. It sometimes means that knowledge is power. And of course, as a pitcher, your job is to get people out over and over and over. Like that's, that's my position. That's kind of the, the burden that I take. But on top of that, sometimes familiarity breeds a little bit something different. So it would have been really, really nice to take the top two teams out of each region who that, you know, those regions have been competing against each other every single year, year in, year out, and have them go to the Olympics and compete against regions that are not their own. So I think while Italy played a phenomenal game against us and they absolutely deserve the the birth that they got to the Olympics, it would have been really cool to see GB go in and play against teams that we haven't had a chance to compete against and have a little bit of that element of surprise, that element of, of unfamiliarity. Obviously I'm sure that there's monetary reasons behind that. There's viewership reasons behind that. But I think ideally in my perfect world that I draw with crayons, it would be that we get the 12 teams. We get the first and the second from each region and give them a fair chance to, to beat the odds of why there is a first and a second is that maybe one team is just more familiar than another. And right. let yeah. let surprise be, Let I'm a huge fan of an underdog fight let that kind of have a little bit more of a playing field um, in an Olympic competition, an Olympic field.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point there because if it's just the two teams and you've played each other for so many years, you're so familiar that it's hard to not know what's possibly coming, if that's pitches or pitchers who you're going to face. So you're so familiar with them that it's just, it makes it even harder for you to beat them if you've gone against them so many times. So bringing that aspect of, new teams to get to play to see how it really plays out if you're playing other competition than normally brings another unique aspect to it and you know gives opportunities to all of the teams from all different countries the chance to play teams that they're not as familiar with to make it a more you know unique and unpredictable bracket for the olympics exactly that's why i think and especially i felt like the olympic softball
1: blew by very quickly Because having such a limited number of teams meant that you had a limited number of games. Mm -hmm. You could only have so many combinations. Meanwhile, like Europeans and World Championship for me every single summer is one of the coolest things ever because there are just so many countries. They get to compete against each other and every single year they bring a little bit something different. So I think the diversity of culture, I think the diversity of thought, you look at Japan and USA have obviously run the softball world for quite a little time. But when you look at their style of play, it's very different which Mm -hmm. I is like, as a student of softball, I think it's the coolest thing ever um, because you get to see that softball isn't just who hits the ball the hardest, who pitches the ball the hardest. It's so much more complex than that. There's so much more strategy. There's so much more diversity of thought that you can bring, especially knowing that softball is coming from different regions of the world where different regions of thought maybe are a little bit dominant than others.
0: Exactly. I totally agree with you. (laughs) Well, definitely have to keep that in mind. So, hopefully, they can continue to grow the number of teams in the Softball Olympics to give more games for viewers and fans like myself, but also to just bring a unique part to it by having teams that haven't played each other and, you know, just shaking it up a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) Just shake it up. (laughs) For sure. But how exciting is it for you to know that there are opportunities to play softball after college?
1: I think it still feels a little surreal. I know growing up a lot of times when, you know, teachers would have you like write papers about like your five-year plan. What do you like want to do? Um, which, you know, everyone hated doing those. They hated them. You know, you were 14. What do you want from me? But, um, <laughs> I always wrote, I want to I be a professional softball player. I want to play in the Olympics. And people would be like, yeah, 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 like that's nice. But like, what do you really want to do? It's kind of the equivalent of saying that you want to be an astronaut you know, that it didn't sound real to a lot of people when you told them that that was a job market that you wanted to pursue. Being able to see the Athletes Unlimited has created an avenue for so many athletes, not just in being paid to play, but also in the viewership, you're getting sponsorships, you're getting girls that are getting name image likeness deals. You are getting way more um, women in sports that are like pushing themselves into those areas because of how successful they've been in professional softball fields. I think it's a game changer for just allowing female athletes to realize that you can be paid to play what you do. You know, like you look at sis Bates, you look at Sam Fisher. You look at some of these girls, Kat Osterman, who have made softball their entire life for so many years as they rightfully should, because mm-hmm. they are the best at what they do. You know, there is no competition. You know, they're like, oh, well, is she the is she the hobby bias of, of softball? I'm like, no, no, no. She's the sis Bates of softball. Exactly. If you watch softball, you know how good she is at what she does, which is very, very different. People talk about the, the changes between baseball and softball. They like to put them in the same group, but for me, they're not comparable. They're mm-hmm. such a different game when you play it on the ground level that there is no comparison. What people do you talk about Jocelyn Allo, Jocelyn Allo isn't the anybody of baseball. Jocelyn Allo is the anything of everything you know, she leads not only NCAA softball, she leads NCAA softball and baseball in home runs. She's the greatest
0: powerful home run hitter anybody has ever seen,
1: you know, and that's where like people would, I think ESPN, not only ESPNW, but ESPN Mm -hmm. tweeted about her breaking records as they rightfully should have. She's making a name for the game. And there's so many people. I mean, obviously it's very easy to tweet something from your couch. i obviously um but so many people that have a lot to say Mm -hmm. negative towards what she does they're like we'll put her on a baseball field she hit out on a baseball field but she doesn't have to because she's on a softball field she competes with softball players on a softball field and she's dang good at what she does it's one of those things that this professional league allows us to thrive outside of the boundaries that people put us in other sports in other things we're allowed to be the world's best softball players not because we're great softball players who probably we can compare to good baseball players. No, we are the best at what we do and we're being paid to be what we are. And I think Athletes Unlimited is really cool because it offers those venues, not just for softball players, it offers them for lacrosse, it offers it for basketball. You know, it's offering it for so many of these different venues for women in sports that otherwise we wouldn't get the chance because we're constantly being compared to other people. We're constantly being compared to men's sports or people that only thrive in men's fields. We are now creating a women-dominated field that doesn't exclude men. It just shows that we belong here. We we don't have to work three times harder than a guy to get into those fields. We now can work just as hard and prove that we deserve to have those positions. It's not a gender equity. It's, it's our talent proves that we deserve to be here. We shouldn't have to fight harder than anybody else to be here.
0: That was so powerful what you just talked about there, Georgina, <laughs> because I think a lot of times people do tend to compare the two between baseball and softball or this athlete and that athlete. But in the case that you're talking about with softball, it's, it's not comparable softball dimensions, softball pitchers. It, it's different. You should not have to say Jocelyn allo. It, it wouldn't do this on that. I mean, you just watch her play and yeah. you can tell how powerful she is. I mean, she's already making an impact playing with team USA already. Like mm-hmm. it's like, They're the best of the best. You guys who who are getting played to play professional softball are the best professional softball. When you come down the road, five, 10 years from now, there's going to be a bigger league of professional softball because people love to watch it. I mean, the game is so fun. The game is so fast. I mean, There's nothing not to love about it, honestly. And so I really love that you talked about that and talking about how we shouldn't be comparing ourselves, that we are getting paid because we are the best of the best at what we do, at what our craft is.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like people getting mad at like, if no one like comments anything under Michael Phelps and they're like, well, you know, like put him in a rowboat, maybe he wouldn't go as fast. He doesn't have to, just because you're in the water doesn't mean you're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's, it's interesting to like make those comparisons when people talk about like, well, they're so good at baseball. They're so good at this. Like they wouldn't do well on a baseball field. If I wanted to play baseball, I wouldn't play baseball. I don't want to play baseball. I want to play softball. Mm
0: -hmm. Perfect. Well, to finish off the interview, I always do with my guests what I call my favorite five questions. So first (laughs) off, what pieces of advice would you give to the next generation of athletes? I would say the next generation of
1: athletes. um, The world is so big, but it's also really, really small make your connections and keep them. That's one of the coolest things that softball has given for me is I now have friendships that span state borders. They state, they span country borders. And I know if I need to go to Australia, I have three friends who live in Australia. If I need to go to Canada, I've got three friends who live in Canada. It's use sports as the vessel that it is. And the vessel allows you to make connections and make relationships. And those relationships are built on something that you guys both mutually love. So don't be afraid to to exist unapologetically in those relationships that that are built on mutual love. You know, that is like, it's kind of sappy talking about it, but some of my greatest friends are, have been made through the sport and that I've learned to love the person through the sport.
0: So allow,
1: allow sports to be the vessel that it is and allow it to create relationships that otherwise you would never have been able to make.
0: That's some awesome advice there. I love that. (laughs) I am kind of sappy at my core. I'm sorry. No, you're good. It's great. All right. The next one is give a shout out to someone who has made an impact on your life. I think my biggest shout out has got to be
1: um, to my dad. Um, I know Father's Day just came by, but you talk about your parents. You talk about the people that have been there for the worst of it, for the best of it, and that are never going to leave your side. My dad has always been that person. He would drive me to the practices. He'd drive me home. He'd drive me to games and he would drive me home when they sucked. And he'd drive me home when I was great. Um, so I think my greatest blessing has been able to, to play on a field that my dad can, my dad is sitting at home, turning on the TV and he gets to watch the daughter that he put so much love, so much of his time and his investments into, and he can see that I never took it for granted. You know, every single day I get to call him or text him and be like, Hey dad, I'm doing this. Hey dad, I'm doing this, which I love telling him about because without him, I would have never had the opportunity to do that. You know, I attribute so much of who I am and what I've done as a person, as a player, as a professional to what he raised me to be, because we are, I am just a very, very small miniature version of my dad. Um, And if you held up a mirror between me and my dad, I could not tell you the differences. I just love being a reflection of him and everything that I do.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so great. Sappy at my core. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next one is if you could plan your perfect day, how would you spend it?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess some of the stuff that I've done out here in California has been some of the coolest. Um, I am a nature lover. I told you I did marine biology. So there's been some days here in Cali where we have, uh, I went to the zoo with some of my teammates and we walked around the zoo and saw the giraffes and the, the okapis, which are my favorite animals, which not many people know about. Um, and like got to see kind of the coolest parts of Cali. And then we left there and the next day I'm, I'm at the beach watching the sunset um, over the Pacific ocean. So I think that would be my perfect day is just spending a little bit of time um, out in nature with some people that I love spending time with and then coming back and just kind of seeing how beautiful everything is when you take a step back. Um, sometimes we get really caught in our, in our little emotional individual things um, and we forget kind of how gorgeous everything is outside of us. So I think definitely that would be a pretty darn good day for me.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a fun day to me. <laughs> yeah, can't complain. all right so what sport would you play if you didn't play softball
1: oh god um there's some pretty cool sports I think if I was more athletic I would love to be um a soccer player I think they're they look like they're having so much fun um they're running around they're kicking things really hard um I definitely would have to stay in a team sport I don't think I could go into something that's like an individual sport golf is very quiet and I'm kind of loud so as much as I enjoyed golf, I wouldn't be a great golfer because no one else would want me on the green with them. Um, so I would have to say soccer. And then I think I'd be like super fit. You know, I'd have like really nice legs. You know, <laughs> I'd look better in headbands.
0: I bet you're already super fit. I mean, you crush the right side. softball. Just, just the right side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, last but not least, if you had a superpower that could make the world better, what would it be and why?
1: I think you probably know this uh, better than anybody. I wish I could be able to freeze time. Um, I sometimes I like to exist in a moment, and I don't really want anything else to intrude on it. I think it'd be the coolest if you just like pause time and just like chill out. Not really have to worry about anybody else. Read a book, listen to some music, and then when I'm ready to like interact with people again, I could unpause it. Um, I know that's kind of it's kind of lame and dorky, um, but I think it'd be the coolest thing ever to be able to like things on your own schedule never be tired um I could pause it take a nap for a couple hours wake up and then unpause it um but yeah I'm usually really bad with time so I wish I could just make that my own
0: well that's cool that you can control time that would be a cool thing it's probably too powerful for a gal like me but oh well (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Georgina, for coming on the podcast. I had so much fun talking with you, just getting to hear your journey all the way through college and beyond. And I can't wait to continue to see you compete both professionally and also for Great Britain's national team. And I just am excited to see you continue to pursue and reach those dreams that you've had for you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, I'm not sure.